Hey everybody, welcome back to The Pixelist, the podcast about all the nerdy things we enjoy. Who's we? Well, I'm Will, that's Blake, and uh, today we're here to talk about some critical role for all our critters out there. How you doing today, buddy? I'm good. I'm a little hungry, a little tired. <laughs> <laughs> haven't had any coffee yet, but I'm good because we're talking critical role. Oh, you haven't had your coffee yet? Yeah, I've had my coffee yet. I had a little bit of, I uh, didn't sleep so good. I had a little bit of dizziness today and was like, maybe I'll just kind of get a little water. So I hear that. Be, be a little hydro homie, homie today. Yeah. I didn't sleep very well either <laughs> last night. I wonder if it's something going water, around. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Although I do like this. I don't know if it's happening over in your neck of the woods, but we got a little oh, yeah. storm happening. Yeah, we got a storm brewing. Yeah. That's a that's a podcast vibe that I'm about. Yeah, I think so. I think for me it's like the new baby that screams every hour. That so that checks out. What keeps me awake. <laughs> that makes sense. So so yeah, but, but other yeah. than that, but yeah, I uh, I'm excited to dive in today. We're talking a little critical role. Um, I I don't think we have any really announcements or anything other than. Um, EXU <laughs> Calamity season two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Witcher season two coming down the pipeline very soon. Yeah, uh, we need to do Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um. So there's that, and then I do want to talk uh, about that. we need to finish EXU also. Yeah, we need to finish up Kaimel, and then yeah, we plan on doing Calamity too. So I mean, since there's right. not going to be Critical Role proper, I imagine that's what we'll do. For the next coming weeks but we'll see yeah um and you know when they first announced calamity we made a comment about or i said it i have uh, it has a very halo reach vibe to it which if you guys ever played halo reach um spoilers this, this is your alert for the game 10 years ago um everyone dies and so uh, i just yeah. saw a tweet though that was like re reminding people like this thursday <clears throat> and uh it was like stay tuned for it was like either matt or maybe it was just in general examity exandria's um but it, they said the heartbreaking story of what happened so many years ago which i was like okay the reach vibe is it's getting stronger now i think we're about to watch an adventure of some doomed people i i agree i agree um that's at least my assumption it'd be interesting if that somehow didn't happen um but yeah one per one person will survive to tell the story though okay i yeah. like that like the one shot that ashley johnson did uh talison's character oh the he made it out the the sci-fi ship one yeah 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 Which, by the way everyone amazing one shot you got to check that out we might have just spoiled it but <laughs> 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 but it was good oh, yeah and there it is now you know <laughs> yep that was it so but yeah that was good <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well uh are we ready to talk about this thing i think so so um yeah before or not before well yeah before we dive into the discussion um we always like to recap each episode so if you're new to us we take that recap cut it out of our podcast and rehost it separately for your refreshing convenience um so if you happen to find yourself on that video uh check down in the description box if you're interested in seeing the full podcast where we discuss and theory craft and everything um but yeah without further ado we can launch into this uh, 
if you want to kick us off. Yeah, so episode 24, we don't have a title yet, but episode 24 of Campaign 3 of Critical Role. So remember where we ended the last episode, which is Ladna and Imogen on the deck of the ship and um, Ladna destroying Imogen's pet rock. Uh, Very (laughs) tough scene to watch. Very good scene, though. And basically, this episode opens up with the next morning uh, or an early morning. And Orem is basically, you know, um, he's one of the the early risers of the group. He gets out on the deck of this airship and he's kind of looking over the landscape and he sees this small caravan uh, kind of making its way, um, what seems to be towards Basaras. And then he sees the this rumble of earth a ways away from them. Uh, the best way I can describe it is like the movie Tremors. Like they see this, the ground sort of like splitting and cracking in like a moving way towards this caravan. And uh, Orem is basically like, there's something down there and it's heading towards this small caravan of presumably defenseless, helpless people. So he gets Xandis, he wakes basically everyone up and is like, what, like, what is that? What's going on? Um, Everyone let's get together. Like we, we might have some people we need to be helping. And Xandis is like, oh, that's that's a Dustra. That's they're rare to see them kind of out and about. Um, this isn't a common thing to see, but basically says our plan is not going to be to fight it because uh, they're kind of crazy, but to at least steer it away. And so the ship uh, moves down towards the surface, and everybody basically jumps in to uh, help out this caravan. So um, Chetney and Fern jump on the harpoon guns and fire their uh, harpoons into the Dustra. And they can see it's about 50 to 80 feet long. Uh, and it is the best way to describe it is it's like this. Um, I think Matt describes it as like a cephalopod with like spines and like spikes. And uh, he actually gives a longer description of what it looks like under the earth, which we'll come back to in a second. But essentially they fire these chains into it. Fern actually aims for its tail, so to speak. And, you know, Matt's like, pretty much like, you're not going to make this shot. But then she rolls like 20 and beats his 18 DC check and is like, yeah, you really just kind of were firing blindly and somehow you hit it. So congrats. Um, but basically, they they at least uh, hit it with the harpoons. Uh, Imogen uses her command spell again and casts and says, stop to it. And it stops sort of like lurching in the dirt and just sort of holds its position for a moment. Uh, she casts fly. She goes down, basically tries to detect thoughts. And um, basically, I don't know if she actually deliberately detected thoughts, but she realizes there's like an intelligence to this creature that it at least understood her command stop and that there's this sort of agony and this pain on the creature uh, and this this anger, this desperation. So she goes back to the ship and basically says, "Like, hey, I don't, I don't think we should like hurt it. There's, there's something else happening here." Yeah. So FCG then uh, actually does cast speak with animals and is like, "Hey, buddy, <laughs> you okay?" And this creature in like this low rumbling voice basically says uh, that it's its children have been taken and it wants its children back and seems to imply that this caravan has taken its children. Meanwhile, Chetney is gearing up its harpoon, his harpoon to make another shot at it. 
And uh, FTG is like, wait, 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 let me, let me just convince it to leave. And it's like, you know, we could promise you the caravan doesn't have your spawn. Just leave and don't hurt anyone else. So he has to roll a persuasion check and he rolls a natural one. <laughs> so Xanus um, is like, fire. And so Chetney fires into it again. And now it has three chains into it. And uh, basically all negotiations are over. The ship ends up lifting the creature out of the dirt. And it ends up being this squid-like creature with all these tentacles. And at the ends of the tentacles are, Matt describes them as hands, like little fingers that are like are grabbing onto the dirt to try to like stay in the ground. <laughs> uh, as well as a third eye, like down on the chest of the creature. But um, they basically carry it uh, a ways away and basically drop it off and it makes its way away. And then all of a sudden the party's like, wait a second, what if this caravan actually did steal their children? Like we just, maybe we just did the <laughs> yeah. wrong thing. So they decide let's get some rest and then let's go down and we'll talk to the caravan and kind of see what's going on. Ashton, by the way, in this whole process has been impaled by a spike um, on the ship. So they have to pull that out of him. Um, he ends up being okay though. And the party basically goes down to the caravan and find out that these are like really, um, basically destitute traders they don't have much uh they're grateful for being saved but they basically give i think ladna like you know hey we did a tip jar and um someone donated a wet blanket and like a few copper pieces and they're like oh thank you <laughs> so ladna takes the blanket they give the copper to uh fcg and then the party uh, essentially continues on to basros and basros itself is this um this junky it's like junket it's this junky um smorgasbord i did smorgasbord of um metal and scrap and tents and it's all sitting on against this this on this plateau against this large red stone wall um the airship lands in and Xanus is basically like, all right, get off, get off, get off. Like, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to be here any longer than I have to. <laughs> so basically kicks them off. They get off. These, um, guys run out, uh, ride out that Ashton identifies as the skids. And Matt basically says, if you've seen Mad Max, it's basically like what these people look like. So they roll out and, uh, basically I think he said they had tattoos on their elbows. I don't remember what they, what the tattoos were though. Do you remember? Uh, not off the top of my head. I'll see if I can find it. So they have tattoos that kind of identify them uh, that are on their elbows. And uh, one guy's kind of like, you know, what the heck are you guys doing? That's a, that's quite the entrance. And even says that like that, per this person in particular hasn't even seen an airship in 15 years kind of implies like you guys must be important. And uh, Ashton immediately is kind of speaking for the group, kind of like, you know, sort of trying to divert any kind of attention. Like, Oh, that's my first time on it. And they have this small conversation where Ashton identifies himself as Ashton Graymore and the guy says graymore from the house and he's like yeah and he's like huh okay um but basically says like kind of welcomes him into the city and says you know if you if you make a mess clean it up like don't do anything dumb um and then they basically go on their way uh, not before ashton though asks if death wish is still a thing and the guy's like, all the time, baby. You know, <laughs> he basically is like, you know, yeah, it's common. Uh, but again, we don't get any insight as to what this could be. Right. Um, party makes their way in. Uh, and oh, I forgot to mention there was like this this green light that sets on them, kind of like a um, a watchtower that you know sets on anyone who enters the city. And he called it something, but I don't remember what exactly it was. But um, 
All that to say, the party makes their way. Methodic glow. Yeah, thank you. The party makes their way into the town, um, and they decide, yeah, let's let's get some food, get some rest. And Matt also explains that in this town, it's it's not common to find like a sleeping quarter. They're not like taverns where like you go to sleep and there's also like a bar. Here it in Basaras, uh, I think he calls it a caravan sarai, and says basically, imagine if there was a place to sleep that also had a shopping mall, yeah. uh, and that's really like the culture of like the sleeping places here. So, Ashton recommends they go to the um, Rahadin, uh, which is kind of like a middle level type place, uh, and the party basically gets a room, they get some food, and they go to sleep for the night. Uh, at night, each person's taking turns, uh, taking watch, you know, they hear different people outside. What's interesting is during FCG's watch, he hears some birds shuffling outside the window and oddly enough, wakes up Chetney in sort of a panic saying that, uh, and has Chetney look out the window and basically says like, do you see a hawk out there? And he's like, yeah, I see a hawk. He's like, is it mangy? He's like, I don't know. It looks like a hawk. And FCG basically reveals reveals that it was weird that <laughs> there is this hawk that has tormented him and followed him for at length uh and is always basically tracking him and basically trying to poop on him too <laughs> so they have quite the interaction there um they also at some point they look at the tracker that uh, estros had given them and it has this bright blue glow and it seems to point to the south and it's presumed that um, Treshi, Armand Treshi is somewhere near. And Ashton even says, yeah, I think he's in like the southern, maybe it was the southern dregs. Um, yeah, the southern dregs. Ashton basically says, yeah, he's, he's probably in the southern dregs. Um, there's not a lot down there that's worth seeing. Uh, there is the taste of Taldore, which is like a really trashy, um, eclectic buffet of all <laughs> cultures and whatever. Like, all right, we'll we'll head there in the morning, like when we're when we're all rested. So, um, uh, all that to say, they all set out in the morning to go that way. And as they're passing an alleyway, they hear some ruffians that are basically ordering a woman to drop her sword and leave. And they're like, "That's someone who seems like they need help." So they rush in, and we go to break. So. You know, take it from there. Yeah, yeah. So um, this uh, elvish uh, stranger that's being attacked, uh, they actually have a guest come in, and it is uh, Erica Ishii. Um, so they join the table, and basically the bake picks up, and initiative is rolled, and combat begins. So we've got Bell's Hells, this elven stranger at this point, um, played by Erica, and basically a bunch of thugs. And, uh, you know, as always, don't want to get slogged down in the exact play-by-play -play of everything that happened. So a few of the highlights that um, happen here are, you know, first of all, these thugs are seemingly mugging um, this elf. And they're making attacks and the elf suddenly uh, uh, thunderclaps, I want to say. I don't know if that's the exact spell, but teleports up to a nearby roof. Uh, but they're not running away. They're just kind of getting out of harm's way and still here to help. 
Um, Imogen, during the battle, uh, twin spells a mind whip and decides to roll on the wild magic table with her little <laughs> Feywild stone that she has. Yeah. And because of this, uh, all of her hair falls out. Yeah. So <laughs> Chetney like immediately tosses her his hat. Uh, yeah. She puts that on. Um, she's a total cue ball. That's what yep, she's very it. disturbed by it, I think, as well. Um, That's funny. So, you know, combat's continuing. Um, another kind of big moment was there's a spellcaster amongst these thugs. And yeah. at one point they cast what we come to find out is a spell called Phantasmal Killer. And basically they summon out of the sky this like dark shadow form of Ashton, like a like if you played Ocarina of Time, Shadow Link, it was like Shadow Ashton, like plummets down from the sky, like has their own hammer and basically just like starts coming for the real Ashton. And um, even though Ashton, the real one, is raging, he still is frightened, which uh, so like this is like really terrifying uh, to Ashton. And I think Matt describes it as like, you know, you're not familiar with these gifts and maybe, you know, the the bills coming due type of thing. Um, so this really is like unsettling. Um, combat continues, combat continues. Um, one of the, I think it's the leader at one point tries to take Ashton's hammer from him, but fails. And like in response to this, uh, Taliesin hyper rages, which we don't really get any information on what exactly that means, but definitely is kind of just a new, bag of tricks that he's revealing to us here um and you know he does that and takes a few strikes on the leader and at this point in the combat the thugs are realizing that they're in over their heads and they basically start making moves to retreat um but as that happens this dark uh ashton like grabs real ashton's head and does like a ton of psychic damage and was like 30 something it was yeah crazy. and so ashton at this point is just like looking real rough like i said is uh uh terrified uh mechanically i believe so it's just not a good place um so at this point imogen uh lines up a lightning bolt and kind of strikes three of the thugs that are making their way to retreat and completely just like obliterates two of them getting a how do you want to do this on them and she describes like the lightning bolt literally like impaling through them and like she sees the third one like through the holes in the other two and i think she uses her bonus action to like t telepathically communicate to that third one it's like like you're not going to get away like i'll find you um so <laughs> imogen going super hardcore um but combat uh, is winding down. Um, but one other cool thing that happens is Orem uh, takes a moment on his turn and one of a, a different thug, not one of the ones that Imogen just obliterated, but one that he had knocked unconscious earlier. He actually druid crafts and stabilizes their wound um, before then getting up, running over to that third one that did get away and knocking that one unconscious as well. So the party has fully dealt with all of these thugs now and uh this elven stranger jumps down from the roof um but erica rolls really poorly on the yeah. athletics check <laughs> and like totally busts ass on the way down um yeah i think she's like i'm usually a really talented warrior and then yeah <laughs> that's what <laughs> I'm happens very capable. <laughs> yeah but then introduces uh themselves as dusk and they're not from around here and things are really fuzzy in their memory. Uh, the last thing they do remember is that uh, they were in the Feywild and it was this beautiful glen with a river and like, I believe it was Dusk, which is why that's uh, where they got their name from. 
and everything else is just fuzzy. So the party goes around introducing themselves, um, everyone except Fern, who has actually made her way inside a nearby tent, just kind of seeing what's going on in there. And inside there's this unique strong smell and an old woman that Matt described as like having a single tooth and like cataract eyes and she's holding this bowl. And uh, Fern asks like, is this your home? And the woman says, no, just, you know, having lunch in here. And Fern asks, well, what are you eating? And she's like, well, I already ate. I'm having my after lunch. And as she says that, she kind of uh, presents the bowl forward. And there's like these crystallized nuggets in there. And it's like smoking kind of like an incense. And Fern basically takes a big whiff. Uh, and Matt has her roll a wisdom saving throw, which she rolls a 21, I think. And he describes like the shadows in the room kind of start dancing a bit and the old woman's face de-ages and she's basically just kind of feeling a little tripped out but uh because of her experience in the Feywild and with way crazier stuff it doesn't really affect her she can kind of shake out of it um and she's like okay um well i just came to get my sword and she picks up a sword that is not hers and it's like uh great and she's like what else did I leave in here? And she ultimately <laughs> also takes um, a box of candles, uh, some blue pants, and um, one other thing. a Oh, a bag of rice. Um, <laughs> I forgot to mention her giving Xandis a hug too earlier. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, uh, I, you're a great guy. And then stealing from him too. <laughs> Stand up herself. No. Um, <clears throat> so she takes those things and she does ask what the old woman's name is, but the old woman who's clearly like high on whatever it is that this smoking bowl is producing and she's yeah. like i think it starts with a d but like i don't remember and yeah. it smells uh, she's, like a bowl in here <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like uh just you know passing my time here in hell and fern's like okay well see you later yeah. and basically exits the tent and yeah uh, that part too she's like oh and she's like because of the Hellcatch valley and she's like yeah oh right 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 that's <laughs> not as creepy then <laughs> so she makes her way out and now Fern too is introduced to Dusk and Dusk, you know, they basically make the Feywild connection uh, since that's the one thing Dusk remembers and Fern, they like super connect on this and Fern even wonders if this Glenn that Dusk is describing may very well, may very well be one is that she is also familiar with near where right. she and her grandmother lived. Um, right. They're not certain that that is the case, but they basically just kind of have a moment over it and both say that, you know, they hope they can return there at some point. Um, so now that everyone's met, um, the two group, well, not two groups, Bells, Hells and Dusk do decide to kind of roll together for now. Um, and they're actually going to head to the taste of Taldore just to get some food and actually kind of rest, especially Ashton is like, yeah, like I need a minute. So they're like, all right, well let's head there. And that's actually where the episode ends. Great job. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. we, I think that was everything. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, if you're checking out our recap, uh, click the link below, get the full episode, uh, our thoughts and reactions to it. Uh, and if you're on our longer video, hey, thanks for checking out the whole video. Yes, yes. So, all right, well, <laughs> what'd you think? Man, pretty mediocre, honestly. No, I, <laughs> of course, I, I love it. You know, I... I really enjoyed the whole Operation Dumbo drop at the beginning oh, yeah. with oh, the yeah. Dustra. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so always a great 
time to have like a guest come on the show uh yeah yeah i don't know if it's fair to call robbie a guest he almost feels like a core member of the family at this point but sure i guess technically he was so this is our second guest but it really feels like the first guest Um, yeah it does i feel a little protective though because i'm like that's robbie's seat (laughs) how dare you get out how dare you stand where he stood (laughs) (laughs) but uh, it was just it's great to have a guest back, especially I think we maybe have talked about this on and off at different points, but uh, you know, in C2 toward the end, that's when the pandemic broke out. And so for the whole like final stretch and even some before that, there were no guests because, you know, they had to, they had to kind of redo things and be, you know, of course safe about everything. So obviously they weren't bringing in new people. Um, so anyway, all that to say, was very excited to see a guest. Uh, I love Erica Ishii. She's, uh, I, I think this is her first time proper on like the main Critical Role campaign, but she's been involved with various one shots and other D and D adjacent IPs on the internet. Uh, so it's it's cool to you know finally see in the campaign proper uh, getting a getting a chance to shine, if you will. Yeah, um, I was wondering if she had been on an episode before um i like her she seems fun yeah um for sure so you know of course i enjoyed it um what about you well i liked it a lot (laughs) yeah i mean we have a whole youtube channel dedicated to talking about this show so (laughs) clearly we really deeply enjoy it but yeah uh, yeah, i really liked the episode um i was i was disappointed in the sense of where we left things like waiting four weeks like there's not a lot to like stew on and talk about and like really break down like we got you know matt does such a great job on the culture side of like world building and like building a city that has like like Jersar was Jersar feels like home like we feel like we really know it we understand it a little bit like we know like the different spires and like kind of the vibe of the place mm-hmm. but like go back to episode one it was like you know you're kind of discovering how people interact and i got that same vibe here with Bossaros of uh the skids you know kind of like this makeshift amalgamation of like trash and tents yeah. um and then the woman having her after lunch um, yeah yeah i just i really appreciate all the thought matt puts into like building the character of a city yeah. um but yeah so my only disappointment is I'm excited for calamity, but yeah, we got five weeks of waiting, I guess. And, uh, yeah. just not much to talk about, unfortunately. So, yeah, true. I, you know, I guess it's the trade-off is like, if it ends on a massive cliffhanger, that's kind of like, we got to wait so long. So, right. you know, I, I can kind of see the trade-off and, uh, there are at least definitely some nuggets I'm excited to talk about from this episode, even though there's no like hanging massive, right. you know, Mm-hmm. cliffhanger type moment right um but i really liked it though i thought it was a good episode and um you know yeah i also like you coined it um dumbo drop was great <laughs> um boss ross seems great the crow the hawk with um fcg yeah. was interesting yeah. especially given was it ness i don't know who it was who had yeah, the yeah. whole was theory ness. on on birds uh, for fcg so yeah. i couldn't stop thinking about that whole theory that whole time but right. um, so anyway ness bravo you were clearly yeah. onto something there and uh yeah i mean i guess let's, should we let's just start there uh yeah, yeah let's start there and help me piece together because i'm a little somewhat vague in my mind but for people who need more context 
basically we had a guy in our comment section, Ness, who has all sorts of great comments on the channel, but essentially had a Reddit post that was a very detailed theory around FCG's, um, well, specifically, what what was the big takeaway? It was just like every uh, Ness cataloged all the different times that Sam has like either either just physically with like like uh, a physical response or like he ver- or FCG has verbally like expressed some sort of disgust or fear or just made some sort of comment when birds are brought up, and so like uh, the culmination of the theory was that like FCG has some sort of thing with birds, and so clearly we're now because of this episode we have he most certainly does there's a very specific bird that has like haunted him so um you know way to go on picking up all those context context clues that uh sam has been weaving in um but yeah just really fascinating because you know sam is uh, he's not always like you know in campaign one he was scanlan who was this kind of like very like humor like lead with jokes and stuff but and sam kind of weaves that into all of his characters but he's very actually intentional behind all of that so like like ness you know noticed that these like one-off comments about like hating birds in the past actually was leading to something um what, what i'm getting at with this long drawn out monologue is uh i'm very interested to see what like this is clearly something uh and what possibly like could have shaken him to his core so much just from a bird following him, you know, like, why is that such like a cornerstone of his character? And I, I think it's definitely something and probably something massive and not just, again, not just Sam, like playing a joke of being scared of birds. So I'm very interested to see like what's actually behind that. I think that the beast that eviscerated his friends, I mean, we even, I think there was some comment of it, like flying away or something. So presumably is bird-like, hawk-like, who knows? Uh, see, I was wondering this. And so do you think it's the same entity? Because I feel like no. that's an easy connection to make. But if so, why did he not say that? You know, like, why didn't he say like, you know, he just said like, oh, it we call it shithead because it pooped on me a lot, you know, and yeah. not that it killed my family. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's like one of those things where like, you know, you have like, this is such a bad analogy, but like you have a really bad experience with mustard when you're like five years old. And like, by the time you're 15, you kind of forget about the experience, but anytime like mustard or mustard esque sauces are used, you just feel like this kind of, I don't know about that, you know? And you're not, you don't even really remember quite why you're just kind of like, I just don't like mustard. You want to, do you want to say something about mustard right (laughs) now? This is a safe space. I think ketchup is just the go-to, you know? I mean, (laughs) why do we need to change the, I will say though, here's the deal. I don't like mustard. Okay. (laughs) Let's just get it out there. Okay. But it's a shame. The seedy mustard they use for like um what's it called? Uh like the wooden board with like all of like the different like meats. Like a and charcuterie cheese. board? Yeah. So like the seedy mustard, so good. So you like like real mustards and not like the sugarized Yeah, I don't like the deep yellow yeah, mustard yeah. at all. Um that's whatsoever. Fair. I mean but I do, I love, but that's fair. I love like the scooping or like spreading mustard. Um the again, fancy I call it yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a man of culture. Like a, so. like a Dijon or a Grape Upon. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about, I was like, okay, that's the brand. Right. So, well, actually, you know, those are still like spready mutt. Like I like the really, like you could see all the individual seeds. Like it's like clumpy. Almost. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. So anyway, what's, <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> we start? How do we get here? Uh... Okay. Point being. So like for him, we know that he can't fully remember what happened to his friends. We know that there's very like vague shadowy images in his memories. And if he tries to go deeper um, we haven't had this happen recently, but seems to sort of like short circuit or like programming goes haywire right. you know, what have you. So point I was making was, you know, for us, it maybe it's a bit too on the nose, but for him, maybe it makes more sense because it's like, there was something I can't really, it's intangible in my mind. Mm -hmm. I know it was something with wings. And so I have this general apprehension around birds. Uh, I don't know. No, but, okay. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. And that, you know, maybe his his hatred and fear of this bird he was describing to Chetney, like he feels that way because the thing that attacked his family mm. was a bird and not that they are the same entity necessarily. Right, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's like a nefarious bird that's like, I'm here to finish the job, <laughs> you know, but I don't know. <laughs> when I, so since you said that, I don't, I'm basing everyone's time saying this, but I'm still going to say it because I think it was immediately disproved like moments after I had the thought. Um, but when he originally said that, cause he, he made it seem like it like followed him in a way, like it was a right. recurring thing. And so right. my initial thought was that like, okay, if FCG is this like advanced robot from a long ago, maybe there are other advanced technologies, maybe even something like a flying yeah. robot that was yeah. like, tracking him because then maybe they want to like recover yeah. these important artifacts but then he described it as like mangy and stuff and i was like well if it was a robot it probably wouldn't be but but to give you credit though fcg is a flat earther in <laughs> in the critical role world is it's that true. you know just believes it's a flat earth and so what what is the other like um mainstream ask mainstream's not the right word but just like well-known sort of silly theory birds aren't real <laughs> that they are governmental you know whatever and so it uh, i don't okay. know you say it i'm kind of like i don't know maybe maybe he's trying to pull <laughs> in you know all these things so. that would be hilarious so <laughs> so i mean you know the mangy comment made me get away from it but i i think that would be cool if like yeah he was being he and you know maybe dancer and the other ones were being if not hunted like uh, trying to be like taken back maybe because of they are this valuable technology right. so maybe someone is using a drone to find them i don't know yeah um but i just i loved uh, on a more meta level i just i love travis and uh sam <laughs> interactions so the whole chetney fcg thing just put a huge smile on my face and it was just it was funny that like they actually did get the the mechanical deeper connection or whatever i forget what it's called but like a close friend or you know yeah um so that was fun but uh grog and scanlan were was one of my favorite dynamics in campaign one so i just uh love seeing those two interact yeah. and ho hopefully get more there so the yeah the close friends was was that is that like a D, &D thing like what what was that? No, comic? I, they had like shared something and then they turned to Matt and they were like, was that like enough for us to now be right? Like I close think, friends. So, you know, he, ha he has that with, with Imogen because they right. did their mind meld. Does he right. have it with Laudna too? I don't know. I don't know. I know he does with Imogen though. But, um, 
I think it's just part of the homebrew class that he and Matt made together. Yeah. So okay, yeah. if it is like a pre-established D&D thing, y'all let us know. But I think it's uh, just a, a, a glimmer or glance of what yeah his class can do. So which I think it means he they get like a, a, a higher die roll for yeah. something as opposed sure. like it's a D8 instead of a D6 or something. I think it's like the sharing of the pain or whatever. Or yeah. something to that effect. Yeah. So... Yeah, cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just yeah, that was good. It was cool to get more there. I'm very curious to see, you know, if and how that relates to the 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 attack on his family. Which I mean, I like what you said that it's probably just kind of some like a trauma connection thing. So I, I buy that. Um, but yeah, I I hope I hope we get more. I I want to I want to keep digging in that in that hole. So hopefully. Travis S. Well, Chetney will bring that up again. We didn't hear about the bird being mentioned in Dressar. So is it implied that he's been like being followed this whole time and he's just now actually just not just now mentioning it? Or this was a mangy bird that followed them in Bosros, because this is where around the area they're, they're originally from, and then when they left. Now they're back and like, oh great, the bird's back. Yeah. Well, I didn't I don't think that the one he saw was the one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I think he they were just like he was like, Hey, like, is that it? And I think he just has a distaste for all birds, but I don't think the one yeah, that they okay. like saw that night was the exact one. Because Chad yeah. was like, You tell me and I'll kill it if I see it. So um but yeah, it's a good question. I mean, they're definitely, you know, like Ness cataloged were some bird interactions at least or at least mentions in in Drusar. so um I, who knows when and where like this original thing happened i'm curious if it happened well i guess it had to have happened post dancer i was like i wonder if these are memories from the before of fcg whenever that was but i guess they wouldn't be because he would we probably remember need, that we probably need a link ness's post just for people who are curious and want to read about it um because it's pretty it's interesting how how much things have lined up so yeah for sure and final thing on this not to drag it out too long but ashton knows about this fear of his right i feel like i don't do you remember i feel like talison has maybe like acknowledged it before um, that i'm not sure that i don't know but speaking of ashton though what's going on with ashton yeah, I I mean, seemingly this is the arc, or not, I don't, not the arc necessarily, but we're gonna get more on him here, being back in his, not hometown, but his, right. his previous stomping grounds. Uh, the name Graymore is recognized here, so that made me wonder if it's more of like an actual family name, or maybe more of like a, like like John Snow from Game of Thrones. Snow was just like what bastards were called, you know. So yeah. I wonder if Graymore is more of like a class name or something or like yeah. a gang name even where my mind goes because they said like oh from the house i kind of envisioned like this is like piecing together with like the cult theory that we had um, yeah. a few episodes ago so let me just walk it all through so um ashton is is part of this ashari cult or his whole family is everyone dies except for maybe him or a couple other people, but basically family's gone, uh, town's gone, all this kind of stuff. And he, he moves over to Bosros as like an orphan boy. 
and moves into like a an orphanage basically who's owned by a person named Graymore and it's known as like the Graymore house and basically grows up in Basaros as an orphan in like you know the assumed family name but in the orphanage and um that's how people know about it because it's like it's like the presumably also a place like Basaros it sounds like it wouldn't be uncommon for there to be people without families or without their parents or yeah. you know what have you and so that's where my mind goes to is like oh from the house and i kind of think like yeah the great the orphanage house like the place that a bunch of kids like him grew up in yeah um but i don't know that's kind of just where i, I assume a lot there but that's kind of just where my mind goes no i'm on the same page you know just maybe not literally like an orphanage proper but yeah you know essentially like a you know, a, a found family or misfits or whatever, um, or maybe literally an orphanage, but yeah, we're, I'm on the same page with you there that I think it's less like his actual family's name and more of like a, yeah. A, you know, group of whatever. Right. Um, so yeah. Hope super interested to find out about that. I want to know what death wish is. He, his comment was like, it's like the one redeeming thing or like the one fun thing here. Right. Or he, something yeah, to that I think effect. He says something like, if it's like the one thing we get out of this trip, then it was like worth it or wouldn't be all bad or something. But I, I it didn't make sense what he was referring to. Yeah. So I, my initial thought was like, is it like a band or like a, <laughs> a like fun event that is hosted yeah. or I something if it was like a drink or something like, mm. you know, is death wish still a thing? Like, Oh yeah. All the time, you know? So I was like, yeah. is it a food? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Or like, you know, very Mad Maxian vibes. Maybe it's like this like ritual that's yeah. held where they yeah, fight like the or witness. like a, yeah. Uh, what, like, what do they call it with like the cars that destroy each other? Maybe something destruction like destruction derby. Yeah. Yeah. Cause and not to get too off base here, but like those motorcycle things from, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know what else to call them, but I, I want to see more of that, like kind of steampunk's not the right word, but like steampunk yeah. tech of this, of this place. Yeah. So maybe death wish has something to do with like a race or something. Yeah. Right. So yeah. hopefully we get to see that. I'm excited. Um, it could also be a drug, I guess, since you know, the ladies after lunch thing, um, <laughs> it was interesting i saw enjoying i just still love the enjoying time in hell oh yeah. oh because <laughs> of the hell catch valley oh right <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was good yeah. i feel like i feel like the line works both ways though even though yeah, matt kind of sure. like corrected it i feel like he yeah. still kind of implied the the right. former as well what were you um, saying though a second ago i think i interrupted uh, you what was i saying uh i don't remember Probably, oh uh that lady <laughs> excuse me you know, I I just want to mention this to mention it because I saw some people in the chat when like she's like my name starts with a D. That I saw some people mm -hmm. being like it's Delilah, and I was like it's not Delilah. <laughs> Come on, people, <laughs> are you high? <laughs> yeah, they've had a little too much after lunch. Yeah, you um, are high on something. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh! But yeah, I don't think that was any type of what well, you know. Watch this be proven wrong, but uh, yeah. I don't think that was any like. <laughs> seed planted for a big reveal i think it was yeah. just showing that this lady is kind of out of it yeah um, it's lord esteros in disguise <laughs> it's like wait what <laughs> it's vecna yeah uh, <laughs> uh, oh man so a, a couple other things on i don't really have much to say here but i, I pointed it out in the recap <laughs> want to point it out again here um 
Ashton's hyper rage got me uh, super interested in that. I mean, clearly it's just more of the the custom class he and Matt have designed mm -hmm. here, but uh, he said he was gonna he's spending a point on hyper rage, so it's not random. Uh, Talson must just have some sort of like point economy that I wonder if since he spent one on hyper rage, I wonder what else he can spend them on, or maybe they're all just for hyper rage. I don't know. Um, but just super curious for what that mechanically might mean. And not that this is directly tied to the hyper rage, but I also thought it was just very interesting that he was frightened, even though he was raging. Cause I think right. it's correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't, I think you're supposed to be like immune to that when you're raging. Um, I think he not, got though. advantage on it. I think. Whenever oh, he maybe did that's the role. what it is. Um, that's what it is. You get advantage. Let me check. Yeah, because I, I, I do remember him asking about it, and he was like, "Oh, that's right, you are berserking or uh, raging." Excuse me. Um. Um. I'm just looking while you're. Yeah, but in any case, I just thought, and maybe it was all just to to give the moment some flavor, but I thought it was just both Matt and Talison like played into that pretty hard about like him being scared and, uh, right. you know, thinking that like the bill was coming due for like these things that Ashton's capable of now. Like, so kind of makes you think that even though that was just an illusion in a way, like, is there some toll to be paid for Ashton's, abilities that we haven't really seen yet like is there yeah. the other side of this coin the fact that he can right do portals and stuff maybe like maybe it's taken a toll on him in, in some way we haven't seen yet does uh okay so i did see it's path of the berserker it's one of the subclasses um so that you get immunity to fear okay so, so it's just not it, a, across the board yeah okay. yeah right and then i also was thinking about you know level five you get an extra attack has he been taking an extra attack uh, that's a good question. I haven't been. Well, there's an ask because it seems focused. like he's he's got some really cool like flavor stuff over the last couple of levels, but most specifically the last level. So he got the portals, which we mm -hmm. saw last episode, which I was like, oh, this is his big new level thing. But then he mentioned the hyper raging, and so I'm thinking like this class is really like detailed and um, like I'm just excited to see like the on paper full like yeah. final version of it yeah me too um not only for his class also for fcg's cleric class mm -hmm. uh, as well yeah me too and speaking of fcg if if you're cool to move away from ashton i forgot yeah. i wanted to mention this earlier when we were talking about him during that battle uh with dusk and the thugs and everything at one point liam I don't remember what um, I think it was just an attack, but Liam rolls a natural 20 and Sam is kind of doing his own thing, but he perks up and he goes, was that a natural 20? And he looks at Matt and Matt goes, yeah, it was. And like points at him and Sam's like, Ooh, and then starts writing something down. Yeah. So similarly to how, like we've noticed that Sam has noted natural, like his own natural ones. He's now noting right. other people's natural twenties. So like, what is going on there? <laughs> like, yeah. what is he doing? <laughs> But um, it, it's got to be, it must be specifically for combat or something too. Because there's been other natural 20s rolled that he hasn't said anything. Yeah. You but know what I'm saying? Like, it, true. But it could be that he just like noticed and yeah, marked it. Yeah, and, true. You know, um, right, right. But 
at least in this case, they're a hundred percent something because both Matt and him like were like, yeah, yeah, that was one. Like it wasn't yeah. just, yeah, oh yeah, he rolled a natural twenty, you know. Yeah. So, ah, I just want to know what's going on there. The slow burn, man. Twenty four episodes in, I'm like, give me your character sheet. <laughs> yeah, for so, real. And yeah. So I just thought it was interesting because we we noticed the natural one thing. So it's cool that it's not that, not that these two things are even related, but it's cool that it's both ends of the spectrum and not just, right. you know, the fails. Um, but yeah, it just got my mind racing. Cause like, clearly he's like this therapy robot. He's kind of an empath. Um, so it kind of makes sense that like he would attune to the highs and lows. Mm-hmm. And so I wonder if that just like, if you collect this many twenties, maybe something happens. Or if you collect this many ones, maybe something happens. Um, yeah. Exodia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, I just wanted to wanted to mention that. So if anybody has any ideas, let us know. What do you think's going on with uh, Dusk? I don't know. I the so anytime the Feywilds mentioned, especially when somebody's memories are fuzzy, it just makes me think of like the mechanics of going to and from and how that you can like lose your memories of right. it. So that's my first guess, but clearly Dusk remembers <laughs> some things because the glen and the beautiful everything so right. like it's not as if if when they exited the Feywild and they did lose their memories then they wouldn't even have that so i don't i don't know i mean it'd be interesting to see how it plays in i wonder if if it's at all connected to fern it not yeah. like if not directly at least like tangentially since they're both from the fey um but yeah surely i mean surely we're going to the fey at some point Right. I mean, it seems like there's so many references to it. I mean, even when they were heading to the Hartmore, Matt made a comment of it and seeming like the Fae was kind of bleeding through part of that. I think is also like the, um, the solstice or whatever of, you know, the planes kind of converging. Um, yeah. but I, I can't help but feel like we, at some point we're going to the Fae wild, I assume. Yeah. If not, going directly i think its influence will have a direct impact uh because i mean even dating back to exu the first one you know at the time we weren't really sure where all these threads were going but a lot of them have been picked up in various ways so we know in exu there was that gate that was being used and stuff was weird around it and uh you know the elves that were in charge of looking out after that area like had no idea what was going on so right the def- Feywild's definitely doing something so i think it'll it'll we'll see something with it if not a direct trip there yeah Uh, something's cooking in that pot yeah for sure (laughs) the high mistress of the burning veil or whatever yeah yeah the war queen yeah 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 there we go yeah so okay i hope we go there i mean i want to meet fern's grandma um yeah morgan yeah maybe i mean I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that is her name, but if it yeah. is, uh, if it is like the Morrigan, uh, right, I'm interested right. to see. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was funny though. Cause she like instantly dropped like the lore drop on who she was and you know, people were kind of like, oh wow. Like oh. this is a lot. You're going, you're going through a lot here. <laughs> yeah. I think Sam was like, we or FCG was like, we should all be more open with each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was great. But, um. Yeah, so I guess we'll find out more about her. Do you think we're going to have another long-term guest like we did with uh, Robbie Damon? I mean, who knows? I guess anything goes this campaign. But to me, Robbie felt different. And so, like, I, you know, in the past, guests 
like Robbie lasted way longer than any guest ever had. So yeah, okay. I mean, who's to say? I mean, my initial instinct would be no. I imagine she's probably just going to be here for a short stint, but maybe that's what they're doing this time around, and they're going to have twenty episode stints with people. Um, yeah, it'd be cool. You know, I mean, is are most guests are they two or three episodes, or even longer than that? I would say that usually there's like an arc is not the right word that implies too grand a scheme, but usually there's like a, a current like story thread that a guest like pops in for and they're relevant to. And then like when that ends, like they both kind of go their own way. So yeah. like an initial guess would be maybe she's there for all of the Bosseros episodes. And then maybe whenever the party leaves to do what they're going to do, maybe dust goes, you know, a different way. Yeah. Um, but I mean, who's to say, maybe it's going to be exactly like Robbie and Eric is here for a while, which, yeah. you know, honestly, the longer, the better you get more fleshed out and, you know, more opportunities yeah. for cool moments. So let me ask you this, you know, you made a comment a second ago on like, you know, like who knows, like, well, you know, when this campaign, anything goes, I guess, like, let's go back to before episode one, where Matt basically gave the disclaimer, you know, Hey, like we're doing some really new stuff with this campaign, like throw out your preconceived notions. Um, now heading up to episode 25 in the next month, do you feel like any of that has come to fruition yet? Or do you feel like there could still be like some pretty massive, um, cause I haven't watched a campaign before outside of like, you know, the 10 episodes in campaign one and like seven or eight in campaign two. Yeah. Um, how has this campaign differed from those in terms of like matching that congruently with Matt's comment? Yeah. I mean, the only two things that have felt like, Oh, like pretty different is one Robbie's tenure. Cause like we, I mean, I'm not going to repeat everything we just said, but that's one of yeah. them. <laughs> and then the second one would be the way, uh, Travis's characters were introduced. The fact that he like played Bertrand, and then his real character was introduced. Right. Um, so, I mean, I do think those were definitely a, a change from what we were used to. And I enjoyed both of those. Uh, but I don't think that Matt's comments would have purely just stemmed from those two things. So I imagine there's still probably some some unexpected elements to this campaign that we've yet to see. Yeah. I don't know what those will be. Uh, I think, you know, one thing we, we guessed was that maybe... a. a different dm would step in for if not a if not an entire string of episodes maybe at least for just like a, a segment of one episode or something i don't know um right but yeah i mean i i still expect there to be some of those crazy changes he talked about um some twists and turns yeah yeah okay um, cool yeah uh what's what is I know so I know you hadn't seen the pr previous two campaigns like you just mentioned, but what has been your has this felt vastly different from what you were familiar with? Uh, it I'd say campaign two for me just the characters were a lot slower for me to get into. Um, I really liked uh, Travis's character. I can't think of his name. Ford. Yeah, yeah Ford. And um, I like Jester a lot. I think a lot of people did, obviously. Um, but yeah, I just I had a tough time like getting locked in, and and then on the total opposite with Campaign One, 
I felt like I had gotten in too late in the sense of like, there were so many like comments and conversations between the characters that it was hard for me to like fully like wrap my head around the story of like who everyone was and where they were. Mm -hmm. So the main difference for me has been like since episode one, just feeling like in love with these characters and being like, they're so clever and fun and creative and, and like anytime any person talks like the spotlights on them i enjoy it yeah like there's not, there's not anybody where i'm like oh my gosh this person again <laughs> you yeah know? uh i just i really enjoy it and um you know it's felt cohesive and it's felt fun and um and, and then also like you know my stage of life like i'm actually playing in a dnd campaign um on a every other week basis and so uh, and my wife's involved in that and also watching EXU. And so I think, I think also part of the reason it feels different is, be, is just because like our stage of life, like it's, it's a lot more of like our mainstream hobby now, mm-hmm. whereas before campaign one, it'd be like, you know, I'm at the gym, like for one time in my life and I'm listening to an episode on my pot on the, on my earphones. Um, so, and now it's like more habitual. It's like, Oh, it's Thursday night. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's watch some critical role. Yeah. So. Does that make sense? That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it does. Glad we so. glad we got you now. <laughs> yeah, get your hooks in. So but yeah. So But yeah, so I to circle all the way back around, I definitely am still looking out for these massive changes that they teased. But I think we've gotten a bit a bit of taste of that with those things we talked about. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. If you got something, well, I was just asking you, just like, what else from the episode do you wanted to talk about? I got a, I got a couple things still. Uh, they're basically just little moments. Uh, so Orem, when he took that moment to stabilize, uh, mentioned, you know, I druid crap, just like I've seen Nell and Maeve do many times. Um, so I, I was like, who is that? And so I looked that yeah. up and, uh, so Nell is, so, you know, Orem was with Will, who yeah. is the son of a of a character Liam played in a one-shot one time called Derek. So Nell is Derek's wife, and Maeve was one of Will's sisters. So So uh, Nell is Will's mom. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um and aunt. And aunt? What? <laughs> the what? other one. The other, Maeve is his aunt. Uh, Did you say it was no, like no, his sister. sister? His oh, no his no sister. Will's sister. Oh. Oh, okay. so sister okay. and mom, mom and sister. <laughs> it's both his mom and aunt. <laughs> that's, that's what you're getting at. I was like, wait, did I miss something? They live in the south. <laughs> um, okay. So I just thought, you know, cool little, you know, of course Liam O'Brien is, you know, the, the master of the little flavor moments when he's just otherwise doing a very, you know, mechanical action. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was really cool and kind of gives us a little bit more depth to. You know, he wasn't just a dating Will. Like, he was pretty familiar with his whole family. Like, he said, I saw Maeve and yeah. Nell do this a million times. Um, yeah. I think he's done a good job, like, characterizing basically, like, the love of his life. I mean, he described it as, like, we had really great years together. Like, that's something you say about, you know, uh, yeah, the love of your life. You know, yeah. it's not like a fling or a tryst. You know, it's so, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. So, you know, he, had a pretty good or not i don't know if it's good's the right word to use but pretty intimate relationship with the whole family it sounds like um yeah and i don't know i'm i guess nell and mave were both healers in some form or fashion and uh 
don't have much to say here. Just wanted to point it out because, you know, bravo yeah. to Liam. Uh, but I'm interested to see if maybe we meet some of Will's family at some point in the campaign. Um, I think that would be really interesting, uh, especially if uh, Derek was one of them. I mean, not that there's even not that there's anything big to expect uh, there or anything. I just think it would be cool uh, to see him again. Um, but yeah, so wanted to mention that. And then let me just check my notes. There were a couple other things. Uh, the taste of Taldore coming back up. I just thought was really funny. Uh, you Did this get mentioned somewhere? Before? Yeah. Abria is the first one that talked about it. Um, and Kaimal? Uh, I think it was Kaimal because I think it was yeah. like the casino buffet. Yeah. Um, right. So I just thought it was great that kind of Matt picked that up and it, the yeah. taste of Teldore is now like a thing that is I'm not... assuming it's like the golden corral of Teldore. That's what I'm know. imagining. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I mean, it could easily just be kind of like a quick glossed over moment when we pick back up, but I kind of hope we get to <laughs> that. Matt kind of has fun with that and we get to kind of, you know, hear him describe it yeah. in more detail when we pick back up in a few weeks. Um, but just thought that was fun. Um, then uh, all minds burn. There's really no, not much to talk about here because we don't have any information. But I just thought it was really interesting that uh, Ashton asked Dusk about like I don't even remember exactly what he said. Like, are do you know the all minds burn? Like, are you yeah. on all minds burn or something? So yeah, I was, I was right. just gonna get your take on that if you had. Any... Well, I actually forgot about that because um, I remember he wanted to know if she was like. I think he like asked her if she was high or yeah, like looked her over or something. And then, yeah, he asked something to that regard and I caught it, but then I thought, okay, it's interesting. Ashton's so far is the king of like letting things out. And then <laughs> no one's like, I guess to be fair, they did ask him later when they're going to bed about, you know, the Graymore house or whatever. And he was like, I oh, don't worry about it. But um, yeah, Talison is the king of like, these stingers that you know are like the ultimate slow burn yeah. so yeah so i don't know but i just think it's interesting that we got we're getting so many like you know offhand comments from him that's just like well, what was that so. yeah so curious we got death wish we got all minds burn what are these things hopefully we find right. out um and then i think oh okay i got two other little things one's quick one's a bit more um so i'm gonna get the quick one out of the way um where last episode ended was the big Laudna Imogen moment. And we were kind of wondering what the aftermath of that would be in this episode. We don't really get, they didn't really have a chance to talk or anything. Um, but they, except for FCG bringing it back up again. Right. And, and telling yeah. Imogen like, yeah, we can get Laudna involved. And she's like, Oh, that's maybe later. <laughs> yeah. But, and I mean, obviously the, the, the mechanics of D and D and the fact that, you know, ultimately they're gonna be playing together they did still like laudna got on imogen's back piggyback style when they were flying and so like it's not as if it's like a complete mm -hmm. shunned cold thing right um but at the same time there's clearly something there and they haven't had a chance to talk i think at the end of the episode when matt like reminded them that it's about to be a five-week break i think laura said something about like oh dang it like I wish I would have had some conversations then. So my best guess is that she wishes she had, she had taken a moment to like done some yeah. RP there, but um, yeah, uh, I guess we'll have to wait, but yeah, I just wanted to, wanted to touch on that, that we didn't actually get any right closure is not the right word, but no, 
no Didn't development there. Event. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but then the final thing I wanted to talk about uh, was the whole beginning of the episode with the the Dustra. Uh, I don't think that was just nothing. Uh, you know, Matt made a big deal about like Xandis characterizing it as these never attack humans. Like this is. Right. This is not normal. And then we come to find out that it's children had been kidnapped. Right. Who, what does somebody want with sandworms? You know, like right. what's, are they, and my, my thoughts as they often do go back to the terrorist attack. <laughs> and I'm wondering like, are these here to like burrow? I mean, we're not really near Drasar, but like, is there something yeah. with these baby dustra and this broomstone that's going to like come together for some sort of massive attack or something um i, I think i took it a lot more um casual i guess in the sense of um so we know in exu when they first find the the crown they're down in the hole hold of the ship and they find the um like a arachnid i can't think what it was what it called but basically like the baby exotic insect oh yeah yeah and so we knew that the um, nameless ones that, you know, not only did was there a trading of like, you know, exotic goods, but also exotic animals. And so True. to me, uh, the connection there is just that, you know, we're in like a very Mad Maxian area and I'm sure there is, there is a trade for that kind of thing. And so I, I definitely didn't take it as like a large nefarious thing, but just mm -hmm. like, yeah, some really scummy people stole its babies and trying to make a quick buck. And um, I don't know. Maybe it is a lot more. I'm not sure. No, I mean, you certainly could be right. Just black market situation. Um, I could see that too. Um, but just, you know, I'm curious to see if, if it does come back up at all or if it's just a cool little world building uh, yeah. moment. But it... uh. It, it just stood out to me since it yeah, was like yeah. it, it made a big to do of that this is not their normal yeah behavior. and i even like yeah yeah and i even like took it as like that common as like like something has happened which has caused them to act this way which then led into the realization that its children have been taken yeah as opposed to just like a random act right um but yeah, I mean, it, presumably we might come across the individuals or group that was, you know, responsible. Um, yeah. We still haven't seen the Ivory Syndicate pop back up again, which, right. you know, were in an exotic trade of some kind at one point. And so maybe yeah. they could be involved. True. Very true. I, I have to, I mean, we may never see from them, but, you know since they were made to such a big scary monster at, at the very early campaign. I, and they never mentioned again. It yeah, was weird. I feel like we might see them. So that would be cool. You know, ivory kind of implies like elephant poachers in, in our world. So maybe that, you know, stealing baby Dustro maybe would be right up their alley. Um, yeah. It'll be interesting to see. But hats off to Matt though, for the, you know, descriptions of the Dustra. Ugh. Yeah. Long <laughs> fingers. I was not expecting yeah. that. Yeah. Um, actually, I just thought of this off the top of my head. One, FCG was the one that ultimately communicated with that creature in that right. moment, which is just interesting to me that Sam, like, chose the spell speak with animals, but yet characterizes FCG as this entity that thinks, like, they have no soul and 
like kind of just you know writes them off so it's very interesting that he would have that spell yeah that's a great point yeah that's i didn't think about that yeah because i guess a few episodes earlier talking about horses and makes that comment of they don't have souls and stuff yeah um, yeah that is interesting it's an interesting pickup i mean maybe it's the empath side of him like wanting to why well, I, I don't know actually which now I'm not trying to get on the conspiracy theory train here, but what if he feels that way because of that bird <laughs> is a drone <laughs> and isn't alive actually. Um, yeah. I don't know, but just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Well, we got a uh, quite a few weeks till we find out a little bit about a, a little over a month. So yeah. is calamity going to be every Thursday? Or are they going to do a double up like on a Friday like they did with uh, Chiral? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's going to be the next four Thursdays. Yeah. Okay. Which I'm excited for. I'm excited too. I mean, I feel like a lot, I think a lot of people feel this way, like EXU part one, um, you know, as a nine episode series, definitely probably could have gotten brought down to five or six. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get a little bit, a presumably a chunkier, um, story, uh, in a four episode tangent. Yeah. And we just have a much more like condensed sandbox. Like we, we, we don't know what we're getting, but we know it's yeah. the calamity, you know, like EXU, we had no idea yeah. what at all we were stepping into. This seems to be like a story that certainly has an end. So, right. uh, it'll be interesting to see. And I'm just really excited to see Brennan Lee Mulligan finally get to play in like the critical role sandbox. Cause, uh, you know, he's one of the, the best DMS out there. So yeah, I'm excited uh, too. Also excited for all the players that are in it. So looking forward to it for sure. It's a nice yeah. helps yeah. the, helps the five week absence, you know, go down a little bit smoother that we've got. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. To look forward to. <laughs> I had like this nightmare of like the five weeks is up and they're like, we're just not going to come back. <laughs> we're <laughs> done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what, uh, what should we do for our thumbnail today? <sighs> I, I was thinking, I feel like we have to do something with Imogen being bald, but I don't, it's not like we're going to shave our heads. So I don't really know. <laughs> I left my bald cap <laughs> in the other room. So. Yeah, so I don't, do you have any ideas or? Um, I could make myself look bald. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, let me see. I don't think I can. I kind of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we can do this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I feel like that's good enough. Yeah, good enough. Ship it. <laughs> well, guys, uh, that's our discussion today. Check out the uh, our Twitter. It's at the Pixelist for other information coming from us. Also, we're going to be talking about Calamity. We are going to finish up Kaimal at some point. We are going to do Doctor Strange, right, at some point. Yeah. Is it too late for Moon Knight, by the way? I mean, we could do it. I got one episode left. Oh, bro. Episode five was like my favorite. Yeah, episode five was insane. It was yeah. crazy. Yeah. But anyway, uh, and then of course we have you know the Witcher season two, which will right. you know <laughs> coming up next for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, catch you guys later. We'll Bye. see you. Bye, y'all.